So this morning, uh, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, um, we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the first time, the first part we do with the sermon, we were talking about the law and how Jesus really laid it on thick for everybody and that you couldn't accomplish the law by our own measures, that we needed Him, we needed Him so much. And that that was the answer. The answer was in Jesus, that um, we could overcome and we could abide by all the things that He was teaching us that day. And now I want to talk about the, the second part, which is actually the first in Matthew chapter 5, and that is the heart of the Gospel. And I saved this part for the second because I feel it's something that most of us know and we understand um, and that we normally get tripped up a lot by the law itself. And with that being out of the way and with the clarification of it, and as we can now look at the heart of it and not be so tripped up by the rest of it, by the law, that we can just see that, uh, the blessings that uh, Jesus is trying to uh, bestow on us and a way of life that he's trying to teach us. And so I'm going to read the beginning of chapter 5 in uh, Matthew here again. And we know this as the Beatitudes. Um, some people refer to it as, um, or uh, as I like to call it, it's the lifestyle of Jesus. Um, we're we're going to go ahead and we'll start, I'll start at the very beginning of chapter 5. And uh, we're going to read through. So Lord, as we read your word this morning, we just pray that you open our hearts, you open our minds, you open our eyes, you open our ears, that Lord, we hear what you're trying to say to us, that we're able to apply it to our lives, that you're not just speaking to a crowd in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, that you're speaking to us right now. And Lord, we thank you for your living word and we thank you for everything you do inside of us. In Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 5, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now I'm going to pause there. And I'm going to talk about the Beatitudes here a little bit, or the Beatitudes, and then we're going to we'll go on to that uh, salt of the earth. When Jesus starts off here, and he starts talking about all these different attitudes that we are blessed by God with, he's setting before us almost like a blueprint 
of how our hearts are going to come to be in the kingdom of heaven. How our pride, a lot of times, or our flesh, affects our attitudes, our thoughts, our speech, and it keeps us away from God. It keeps us from receiving His blessings. Because there's, there's something in our lives that has formed a wall between us and the Lord. As we know the most important commandments, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And if we are loving something else more, and it could be anything, it could be food, it could be uh, family, it could be TV, it could be a job, it could be money, it could be any of these things. Well, then we know that we're not going to be receiving God's blessings because we're not really walking with Him. Something else has taken that first and foremost place. And so when Jesus is speaking here, especially to the Jews 2,000 years ago, these things that he's teaching are very, very new concepts. They're, they're different. It's not how they would think a righteous Jew should have an act or what their attitude should be. A righteous Jew is full of confidence in himself, full of confidence in following the law. But when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, well, now all of a sudden they're like, what? He's teaching something here that goes against all of human nature. And so we're, I'm going to break these down real quick, one by one. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. God blesses those who are poor. To be in poor means we, we have a need for something. To be poor. To know we're poor is to realize we have a need for something. And that need is Jesus. That need is God. So when Jesus says God blesses those who are poor in spirit, it makes us realize that we're sinners. That we can openly admit and be honest with ourselves and go, man, I'm really a sinner. And not to the point where I'm going to condemn myself or lock myself up in a jail. God is convicting. Jesus is convicting. He says, blessed are those who realize they're poor in spirit. Because that means they know they're going to need me. That they need to come through me, to me. And of course, Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How did he teach us to pray? That's right, our, the Our Father. As it is in heaven, here on earth. Kingdom of heaven can be here inside of us, living in us through Jesus. And when we are poor in spirit, we know we have a need, we reach out for Him, we call upon Him, and that kingdom of heaven is alive inside of us. Blessed are those who mourn. When we mourn for our sin, when we mourn for our sin, it creates a humility, a sense of poor spirit, humbleness. It brings us to a breaking point, again, where we know we need Him. And Jesus says, for they shall be comforted. Didn't He say in John that when the Holy Spirit would come, it would bring a comfort to us? He would be the comforter? Yep. Blessed are those who are humble. Pride is of the flesh. Pride will always separate us from God. 
But when we are humble, we realize our sin, we mourn for it. And we realize that in our humility, we can be a slave to God our Father and not a slave to sin or our flesh anymore. Because Jesus said we can only serve two masters. We will either serve God or we will serve our flesh and sin. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be a slave to God than a slave to sin anymore. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. Hunger is a basic element that we need. We need to eat. Thirst, it's a basic element. We can't survive without drinking. What is justice? Justice is Jesus. Didn't he say that he came to fulfill all the prophets and the law? Yeah. Jesus is, he, he says, and again, he says, he'll be the judge. Not when he came to save us, but when we all stand before him. Jesus is justice. And so when we hunger and we thirst for him, what does Jesus say? We will be satisfied. Blessed are those who are merciful. Jesus taught us, love one another as yourself. It's the second great commandment. Show mercy how he has shown mercy to you. God will bless us for being merciful because we are showing mercy as God shows us. Blessed are those hearts who are pure. This is one of my favorite ones. A lot of people get tripped up on this one. Blessed are those whose hearts are pure. To be, have a pure heart, we have to truly abide in Jesus. And I want to I flip here for a second, leave the Beatitudes. I want to go to John 15. I know I've read this before, but this, this part of Scripture goes hand in hand with what Jesus is teaching here. To truly have a heart that is pure, we have to be abiding in our Lord. Because when we are abiding in our Lord, what does He say? I will abide in you. And when He abides in us, well then, our hearts are pure. Everything of us has been removed and has been replaced by His Holy Spirit. He says in John chapter 15, I am the true vine and my branch, I'm sorry, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch that is withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Jesus is saying some key things here. When we abide in him, Father is going to produce in us fruit. When we abide in Him, Father will prune us to bear even more fruit. When we abide in Him, all things are possible. Yet if we don't abide in Him, we can do nothing. 
That's part of having that pure heart. Blessed. God blesses those with a pure heart. Why? Because all things are possible. <coughs> Excuse me. But without, we can't do anything. When we abide in Him, we receive the full love of Father, just as Jesus did <coughs> by abiding in Father. When we abide in Him, we receive His joy in us, and we receive the fruit of His Spirit. So if we go back, verse 8, Blessed are those who are pure in heart. It's all about abiding in our Lord. It is the heart of the gospel, as I like to call it. Um, the gospel is obviously two parts. It's the head knowledge part, the part we understand that Jesus is the Son of God. He came incarnated in flesh. He walked with us. He taught us. He healed us. He was perfect without sin. He went to the cross to die for us, to take on the sins of all mankind, to shed His blood, to be the sacrificial lamb for us. That His blood would allow the Lord to pass over our sins through Him. And then not only that, but that God rose Him from the grave, opening the doors to heaven, and of course, opening our hearts to receive Him. <clears throat> That's what I like to call the head knowledge of the gospel. And then we have the heart knowledge of the gospel. And that is no, the part that sometimes gets overlooked, that we, 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 we know that God raised Jesus from the dead, opening the doors to heaven. And sometimes we just leave it at that. And we don't talk so much about God residing in, our, in us because we're in him. And that is the heart of the gospel, is that we abide in Jesus and he is in us. That the kingdom of heaven is actually alive in us while we're still here on earth. Not in its, com not in its uh, complete form. That won't happen until we actually go home. But we have just an amazing piece of it. That we have God inside of us, with us. It's a beautiful thing. And so, with that in mind... Jesus starts making a transition here. He's talked about how we should be humble, how we should mourn our sin, how we should hunger and thirst for Him, leading us to the point where He tells us we need to be in Him, and He will be in us. Now listen to the transition. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now all of a sudden, Jesus is shifting from an interior attitude to how we are portrayed in the world. Blessed are the peacemakers. We're going to make peace because it's God's peace inside of us that's going to overflow onto those we come in contact with. Blessed are those who are persecuted because Jesus said that we're not of the world. Faith is going to lead to good works. Good works will not lead to faith. As we are doing good works in faith, the world is going to persecute. The world is going to manipulate it. The world is going to lie. 
about us. Jesus says, but you're not of the world. And then, this is my favorite part in verse 12. He says, be happy about it. Be happy about it. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Because you have humbled yourself. You have let go of your flesh. You have let go of your pride. And that has led you to me. And now you abide in me. And now the world has forsaken you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to lie about you. They're going to say bad things about you. And be glad. Because now you are in the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is residing in you. You're not residing in the world anymore. Be glad. You've been pulled out of it. And this leads to the next thing he says. Verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, and it is thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Not glorify us, glorify our Father in heaven. And of course then Jesus breaks into talking about the law, as we discussed a couple weeks ago. Now, if we take the attitudes or the, the blueprint of our lifestyle that he teaches us in verses 1 through 11, we are able to take our attitude and turn it into action. And that's what Jesus is doing here in verse 13. He's saying, okay, look, I've laid before you the blueprints on how your heart should be, how your attitude should be, so that way you can abide in me. And we're going to take these attitudes now of humility and humbleness and mourning for our sin and just crying out to me and reaching out to me so that way you trust and fully um, are abiding in me and nobody else. And now you've been removed from the world and I'm going to throw you back into the world. And we're going to change all of this into an action. Because in him, we are the salt of the earth. And without him, remember what he said in John 15, we're nothing. We've lost our flavor. We'll be trampled. We're thrown back into the world and we'll be trampled by the world. Because we're not in him. We're not the salt. And then he says, you're the light of the world. How are we the light of the world? Because he's the light. He is the light. All things were created through him, and now he is in us. Talk about a beacon of light. And that light shines in the darkness. It shines in the darkness. And that is him telling us to go out. And this is why the early church was not afraid. This is why the early church had no fear of persecution, had no fear of being jailed, still went out every single day talking to other fellow Jews and Gentiles about Jesus and what he has done. Because they had the light in them from the power of the Holy Spirit. They were not afraid of the darkness anymore. They knew they were the salt and they weren't going to get trampled. They had no fear. 
because Jesus was in them. Neil Cole talks about going into the smoking section all the time. And one of my favorite things he says is, if you take a smoker and you pull him out of the smoking section and you try and feed him and teach him about the Word of God, what's going to be first and foremost on their mind? When do I get to have a cigarette? Is God first? No. Something's dividing them. And that's the fact that they want a cigarette. But if we're the light and the salt of the world, what's stopping us from going into the smoking section? Are we afraid that we're going to start smoking? Are we afraid that we're going to start doing things of the world as we used to? No, not if we have followed Jesus' blueprint that he has set before us here. If we go into the darkness, we go into the smoking section, his light will shine. And they'll be sitting there smoking the cigarette, listening now to his word, seeing his light, being convicted. And their mind won't be on, I need a cigarette. Their mind's going to be on, whoa, this is some crazy stuff. Wow. And for maybe the first time in their lives, they'll actually be listening and hearing and seeing. And we can only pray that that soil is ready for that word to sprout and take life. We go into the world full of his light, teaching his word, sharing his word, being him working through us. Because Jesus, he taught us the attitudes that would bring us close to him. He taught us those attitudes so we could abide in him. And then he taught us how to go out. And as Paul says in Ephesians, we put on his armor. We put on his armor and we go out into the world. And as a, a brother in Christ, Jerome, said yesterday, why do we even take the armor off? Why do we even take it off? Why don't we just leave it on? Doesn't that make sense? I don't want to take the armor off. If I take the armor off, I'm not abiding in Him. I lose my, my flavor. I'm trampled. I'm tossed around in the world. Why do we even take the armor off? We put it on and we leave it on. It's a beautiful thing. And this is the heart of the Gospel. The heart that leads us into action. That sets us to always leave that armor on, to abide in Him, to trust in Him, to surrender our lives fully to Him. And then we know, as we read in the rest of the sermon, He's talking about the law. Well, now we know that we're abiding in Him, we're trusting fully in Him, and Jesus is going to transform us each day, one day at a time, to come into fulfillment, to be more like Him, to, to take the things that he teaches us here about the law. And that we're not condemned, we're convicted. A big difference. Condemned leaves you in the prison cell. Convicted allows you to be redeemed and forgiven, to grow. That's the most beautiful part is growing in our relationship with the Lord. We grow stronger in him. We're not afraid of the darkness. We're not afraid of the world. 
Because we know the world's going to hate us. It's going to lie. It's going to persecute us. Too often in today's modern church, sadly, we as Christians are afraid of the darkness. We hide in fellowship. We hide behind our castle walls. But we really don't go out into the smoking sections of the world. We ask them to come to us. And it's kind of backwards. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of the world. We don't need to be afraid of persecution. We don't need to be afraid of death. We don't need to be afraid of anything. Why? Because we're abiding in the Lord, our God. And we have his armor on. What can go wrong? 